Amen. Amen. While they're walking out, why don't we just pray right where you're seated. Jesus, we're thankful, Lord Jesus, for the work that you're doing here in our midst today. God, I'm thankful for the ways that you're moving on our hearts and on our lives. Jesus, we want your hand to continue to work, Lord. Continue to speak and mold us, Lord Jesus. God, we want to be made like you, conformed into your image, Lord Jesus. Continue to do your work right now, Lord Jesus. I open up my heart to you. Jesus, in your name, I long for your spirit. I long for more of your anointing. Jesus, in your name. Jesus, in your name, have your way, Lord God. Come on, there's a spirit of prayer here. We're not going to rush past it. Just allow yourself to reach out and grab onto that spirit right now as he moves through this place. Jesus, we are your people. We are your children, oh God. We're longing for you. We're longing for your presence and for your spirit. In the name of Jesus, you know every need, God, that's represented here. Jesus, I pray, continue to flow through your spirit. Continue to flow by your power, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, prepare my heart to receive from you right now, God. Prepare my heart to receive your word today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, amen. Last week, I got to share some things with you from, uh, from my, our trip that we took to uh, Maryland, and there was two others from the congregation here that also were able to go, and we're going to hear from them, hear what the Lord did for them, is still doing for them. I know that it was more than five days worth could hold in my spirit, and it's continuing to, to, to minister to me, and I know that's the same for, for them as well. And I want the congregation to be able to hear and receive from what we were. We know this before we even went. We said this is going to affect the congregation, and the ministry that we received. So I'm going to invite Brother Ethan at this time and let him share with you uh, what the Lord gives him. Well, I was definitely not expecting this today. Uh, I was, you know, thinking maybe last Sunday because I got back Saturday and then, you know, maybe even Wednesday too, so I was prepared, but then today I was like, okay, it just passed, but, uh, so here we go. Uh, no, this, this time in Maryland was, it was definitely something that I needed. Um, it's easy for me to just get distracted at home and get caught up with all the things around me and... So just being there and being surrounded by other men and women of God that were fasting with me and just in prayer with me, and it was, it was so powerful. When, when I walked in there, um, it was actually my first time at that specific building, and Bishop Schoonover asked me, he said, he's like, have you been here before? I was like, no, but something about it, like, I recognize it. And he said, it's that type of place. It's just the spirit that's here. It's, it's a place that feels like you belong here, and it really did. Um, but throughout this throughout that week i in prayer i just i base my prayer a lot on feeling and that's something that i feel like a lot of us probably do and i realized how unimportant feeling is in prayer um i can honestly say that not a single 
time that week where I just felt something that I just, man, was crying in prayer. Just I never felt that throughout the whole week. And I thought, man, what's wrong with me? Why am I not feeling anything? Why am I not receiving what I'm supposed to be receiving? And so I, I sent a message to my dad. I was just like, I don't know what to do. Like, why, why am I not receiving stuff? Like, why can't I get anywhere in prayer? And, he t- and I, I said, like, I know it's not about feeling, but, you know, I, I just don't know. Like, I was confused. And um, he told me, he said that you just have to trust that your prayer is fulfilling what God wants it to fulfill. And so the the very next day, I was just walking back and forth in the back, and I wasn't praying loud. I wasn't shouting. I wasn't crying. I just, but I could not even feel. I just knew that my prayer was doing something. I knew that it was God leading me in prayer. And even coming back here already, I've felt in prayer that just, it's doing something. I may not be crying. I may not be speaking loud. I just, I can tell that God is hearing my prayer and God is using me in prayer. I've been praying things that I haven't prayed before. And I know it's something that I can't do because I can look back at all my prayers and, you know, man, I said this in my last prayer and the prayer before and the prayer before that and use the same exact wording. Like, every prayer is the same. But since then, I've just noticed a liberty in going somewhere else in prayer, praying for something else, for someone else, and not basing it off of a feeling. I've, I've been able to just wait and just sit there and just speak in tongues, just quietly, not trying to press through something that's not even there, just trusting God that he's hearing my prayer, just waiting on him. And it's been so... I don't want to just say peaceful, and but it has been. I've had such a peace in it, but also I've felt more of an impact in my prayer than I ever did before when I would be crying and just all over the place and loud, and there's been so much more happening. And I just wonder if we could just pray right now, not loud, just pray and dwell in his presence right now that's here. <laughs> He da da a sonoro ki da da a shataye. He toro si ete enere ki da da a shataye. Rime enoro ki da da a shotoro si da da a shata. He noro ki ete re sonoro ti da da a shata. Amen. Just let the peace of God flow over your life right now. Flow in your spirit, over your mind, over your heart. He Jesus mighty God. Jesus mighty God. Man, just something as simple as that, just being able to step right into the flow of his spirit. The Bible says that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And so we can't just go to prayer in our flesh and expect something to happen. And I realized that's what I had been doing. 
but just in this moment, just speaking and just immediately going into the spirit, I don't, I don't think a single one of us could deny that that was God right there just flowing in and through us. And so that's just what I've received from that was just to trust God with my prayer. And it's been, it's definitely been something that's been working in me and I continue to allow God to speak to me through. So. Thank you, Brother Ethan. I was able to stay in a room with Brother Martin, and uh, we had some fun. We got a little bit of rest, and uh, we found out on the way there, uh, I think we determined the furthest east that Brother Martin had been before that trip was about the Tri-Cities, or maybe Walla Walla. <laughs> so we went a little further east than that this time. And, uh, but it was, it was great to observe sort of the, the ways that the Lord worked on his life. I'm going to let him share that. Uh, it was obvious after that, about halfway through the first session, Bishop leaned over to me and he said, Martin's going to be a prayer target this week. (laughs) And so he got hands laid on him and then he got more hands laid on him and then he got more hands laid on him. Uh, I'll let him share from that as the Lord did, but uh, thankful for Brother Martin and what we were able to do together. Praise the Lord. I wasn't expecting this either. I think last Wednesday, last Sunday, we were supposed to share. But um, he's right. My experience was we all had different experiences. Brother Ethan had a different experience. Uh, Brother Caleb had a different experience. My experience was was different. Um, I went into the in and there, you know, you go into these things, you're expecting God to do great, great, wonderful things, you know. So I found myself in a place, though, where God was showing me something different about myself. I was in a place where when Bishop had, let me go back, when Bishop had said that, like I was going to be a prayer target, it was because of this. It was because of what people seen on the outward appearance. So everybody was quick to come and want to put their hands on me and pray for me like I was the new guy. <laughs> and it felt really, really uncomfortable for me at first. You know, and Bishop's just like, man, pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost. So, you know, the Lord was dealing with me there like, you know, why do you feel like this? Why do you feel like you're out of place or you don't belong? And that was what I was feeling. And that's what I was fighting through when I was there the first couple of days. Like, you know, I was like, Lord, why are you showing me this now? Almost three years into my walk with you that these feelings are coming upon me. But it it brought me back to everybody that's here. You know, everybody that comes through those doors for the first time is how do they feel? Do they feel like they don't belong? Or do we convince ourselves that we don't belong? Because we can convince ourselves that we don't belong here. We can talk ourselves out that door and say, you know what? I belong out there, but we don't belong. I know I don't belong out there. When we were at this pause meeting, they laid down a piece of tape and a bunch of people were walking past it. And and it was was called like the, the point of no return. Okay, this is where we're at in our walk with God. We're at a point. Of no return. So once you cross that line, there's no going back to the world or the things that we used to do out there. And sometimes, you know, I, I, for myself, you know, I can I, I work so much and I get all these things going in my life that you know sometimes you can lose a little bit of focus of what God's trying to do in your life. You know, you can get a little lazy and say, "Oh, I don't want to go to church today," or "I don't feel like going. I'm tired." And I, it was a time that I was taking a little bit of time off because of work, and I didn't realize how much it was weighing on me. Until my pastor said something to me. And so, you know, going down there, I had this heaviness about me. Yeah, everybody was on me. Like, they were praying for me. And I was just like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know. But um, 
you know, the Lord had used a lady in the church that I didn't, I mean, this, this lady had came up to me, uh, maybe the third day in and, uh, she goes, uh, the Lord gave me something to say to you. She gave me two words and I just kind of looked at her like, okay, share. Right? <laughs> and she says, you belong. And for the while there, I was, for the first two days, I was feeling like I didn't belong there. You know, I was amongst seasoned apostolics, people that were from all over the world. They were like my Italy, I think, Norway, the Ukraine. And here I am, the only guy in there with tattoos all the way up his neck. And I'm listening to these preachings, you know, and, and uh, I think it was Bishop Wright that was saying, you know, God can use anybody. It doesn't matter what you look like, where you've come from, or where you've been. And I really took that in because, I mean, I look a lot different than everybody else. You know, and it wasn't about fitting in because God fits us in. You know, he's the one that fits us into this body of Christ. We can just come in here and, and sit there and say, you know, this is where I, this is where I want to be. Yeah, that, it starts that way. I've came through that door and, you know, we all, try, I guess for myself, is finding that place of where God's trying to fit me in. Where are you taking me? Where am I going? Why three years now, almost into my walk, are you bringing this about? These feelings. You know, and, and uh, I mean, I know that like that point of no return, there's nothing out that door for me that's going to benefit me. You know, I mean, I can I can I can sit here and, and I mean, even try to contemplate what's going to happen if I walk out them doors. You know what's out there? There's nothing but lies out there. There's some more pain out there. Um, I know that pain out there. And, and for me to go through this feeling like I am different, I am different. We all different. Once we accept Jesus Christ into our life, we are made different. You know, and that's what I had to realize through all this meeting, this pause meeting and, and, and talking with Bishop and being spending time with Brother Caleb. I've even, I've even opened up to him a little bit because he is my brother in Christ. And I said, you know what, I'm going to take this opportunity. I'm in the room with him. I'm going to share with him. I'm going to get to know my brother. You know, instead of just, you know, we come to church on Sunday and we sit here. I don't really know you and you don't really know me, but I want to know him. He's my brother. And I want to know each and every one of you guys. You guys are my brothers. You know, and I know coming in here sometimes I could sit and, like I said, uh, that meeting was, uh, was a little eye-opener for me because, uh, you know, yeah, I am different. I come from a different background than a lot of people. And, uh, you know, some of us, we have similar similarities, I guess we would say, of, of my background, which might have been drug addiction. It might have been alcoholism. It might have been violence, domestic violence. Um, I don't know what it is, but, you know, God has allowed me to be here. He's allowed me to teach this Sanger management class. And through all these pause meetings that we went through, you know, I see that the Lord uses me in a different way to reach a different type of people. You know, um, I've been in the street, I and mean, it seems like the majority of the people that have come around my way have been street people. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful for that. And, uh, but, you know, uh, that meeting, oh, there was another lady there I'll share with you. And you guys have probably met her. It was uh, Sister Simpson. She was here uh, when they came to preach here. She had came up to me, too, because I was walking around kind of like a lot of deep thought. And so I'm going to go drink a cup of coffee. And so I was in there getting some coffee. And she came in, and she's like, brother, um, I want to say something to you. The Lord's put something in my heart to say to you. And I'm just like, okay, here we go. What is it? She goes, uh, it might sound kind of street. And I said, talk to me. That's all I know is street talk. Talk to me. You let me know. (laughs) So, so when she said that, I was like, she said, uh, she said to me, she said, brother, you weren't no punk in the streets. And I, when she said those words at first, I, I listened. I was like, I know I wasn't a punk in the streets. I know that for sure. But uh, she said, uh, she said, you weren't no punk in the streets and you're definitely not going to be a punk in the house of God. 
That's what she said to me. Those were her words, street words. So I was like, okay, I understood that. You know, I understood that, and I was like, you know, walking through there and, and fellowshipping with all the brothers and listening to, I mean, it was powerful. It was powerful. There was a lot to take in. I've never been to the East Coast. And, uh, you know, like I said, there was a lot to take in, and some of it was unexplainable. You know, if I would sit here and try to explain it, sit down with somebody who doesn't understand what, how God moves and how he operates, they might not understand it. It might sound crazy to them. And that's how I used to think when I talked to Christians at first. I thought they were, everybody was crazy. But now I'm one of them guys. I'm one of them guys. I was talking to my friend Carlos in the back a little bit about that. And I was like, you know, bro, do you understand me? Do you understand what I'm saying? But that's just, that's just me. I'm just being real. You know what God's put in my heart. And, uh, you know, I was, I was dealing with it. I was battling with it because I didn't want to share. I felt like it was... You know, I didn't want to share my struggle, and I felt like I was, you know, I was resisting God, and, you know, instead of allowing him to use me to say what he wants to say to the body of Christ, um, I mean, I even texted my pastor and told him, I don't want to share, I don't want to share, but I, you know, I, I, I know that God had something to say. God used that event, that moment, that time to bring those feelings about for a reason, and, uh, you know, he's still refining each and every one of us. There's things that he's chipping away at all of us, and it might not be, you know, first year, second year, third year. It can be four, five, ten years down the road that he brings something up. Subconsciously, there might be some old things there that we got to get rid of that he brings up out in the middle of nowhere, and you're like, why now? Why this time? And that's what was one of them days for me. It was like, why now? Why is this happening? But it was awesome. It was a beautiful time to fellowship with Brother Caleb, Brother Ethan. I mean, I shared my struggles with all of them. I didn't keep it all to myself because sometimes when we keep everything to ourselves, it weighs on us and it becomes an ugly feeling inside. You know, sometimes you got to let that out, even though it hurts, it don't feel good. You got to talk to people. You know, God's placed people in our lives for a reason. And, you know, sometimes my pride had gotten in the way of me sharing things with that man. You know, and I'm thinking, okay, yeah, you're three years into this. Now you can do this. You know, you got this. Nah, I don't got this. I don't got this all on my own. I need help, and God's placed men of God, and if you're a woman, he's placed women of God in your life to help us, to direct us, to guide us, and, and to lead us, but, you know, it's, it's just, uh, I'm, I'm just thankful for the experience and the time that I had, had there. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. I'm enriched by these testimonies and just getting to hear them again, and praise God. Brother Martin said, you know, three, four years, ten years in, the Lord still works on you. I'll tell you, I was spread out over there. Forty-eight years in, he'll still keep working on you. Right? The Bible talks about until we come in the stature and the fullness of Christ. And so there's not a one of us in this room that have got it figured out and are perfected. Amen. But we're in the process. And the key is to stay in the process and if you're not in the process, to get in the process. And then when you're in it, stay submitted to the process. And some people bail out before the process finishes. I'm not bailing. How about you? I'm going to stay committed to his process. And sometimes the Lord brings things. Brother Martin made a statement. Why are you bringing this up now, Lord? The Lord knows where we are in the process. And so he knows, okay, now I can go and touch this area in their life. If I'd have done this sooner, they might not have received it. Or because of where I'm ready to take them now, I need to deal with this area in their life so I can take them a little bit further in this journey. 
That's why he, the Lord's timing is perfect. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm thankful for what the Lord has done in each of these men and what it means and what it will continue to mean to us as a body. Uh, I believe that as the Lord uses them in your lives and in my life in prayer and in time together, that there will continue to be a spiritual work that continues to take place in the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I'd like you to go with me to the word of the Lord today, the book of Matthew. Sixth chapter. If you're a guest today, we are honored that you're here. I believe you are here by God's design. I do not believe you're here by accident. The Lord has purpose for every one of us in this room. I want you to hear that. The Lord has purpose for every one of us in this room. And your purpose is not to just exist. Your purpose is to fulfill his purpose. Let him fulfill his purpose through your life. He really wants to do that. Praise God. The book of Matthew, is that what I said? Good. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 31. I'm going to read some familiar scripture here. We may move a little slowly at first, but. Please let your spirit receive what the Lord, I believe, wants to impart. Matthew 6, verse 31. Therefore, take no thought. How many of you are good at that? I don't mean you forget stuff. I mean taking no thought. Like you don't give thought to things. You don't worry about stuff. You don't. I saw some people's hands go up. I'm like, you're not telling the truth or you don't understand the statement. (laughs) <laughs> take no thought that, that that word there is like saying don't be concerned with that's what it's saying Jesus is speaking he says therefore take no thought saying well what shall we eat or or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed verse 32 For after all these things, everybody say things. It's easy to take thought for things, isn't it? I want you to know that we're not going to talk about that today, but I want you to notice how often that comes up in the scriptures we may look at today. Things. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. In this passage of scripture, when Jesus is speaking, he speaks of Gentiles. He's speaking of those that are heathens. Though they're not following after the will and the work of God, not filled with the Spirit, not being led by the Spirit of God. That's what he's speaking of. When he, Gentiles seek after things. Things of this world, earthly things, natural things. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father, remember he's saying don't take thought. For your heavenly Father knows 
that you have need of all these things. He knows the things you need. We even take thought about things we don't need. It's a different subject. Verse number 33. Watch this. You've heard this verse before. But seek ye first. Everybody say first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. You're not seeking things. You're seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Verse 34. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for. There it is again. The things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I'd like us to pray together again. Would you do that with me? And ask the Lord to open the understanding of our hearts and minds so that he can plant in it by his spirit and word what he wants to plant today. Would you pray with me right now? Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for the richness of your spirit that is in this room. As we've sang today, Father, nothing is impossible with you. Father, with men it's impossible, but with you all things are possible. I pray the will and the work of your spirit and word in what remains of our time together this morning. I bind the spirit of condemnation, but I release your conviction and the drawing of your spirit upon the hearts of men. I pray the peace of God and the word of God reach into our lives according to your desire this morning. Bring revelation and understanding as only you can. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. There is a rich spirit of the Lord that's here today. It's here with purpose. We felt it as we began to worship him. We identified with the ministry and the manifestation of his spirit. And as I was worshiping, I saw different ones around worshiping as well. And we can very much identify with the moving of the spirit of God. Um, it's important that when his spirit moves, the importance of the word is so critical. Because the word of God is necessary so that we rightly discern the spirit of God. Does that make sense? If, I, if I'm just always feeling after the spirit of God and pursuing the spirit, of God, but I have no word, no depth in the word of God, no instruction, teaching, learning of the word of God, I can get caught away with familiar spirits, not discerning the spirit of the Lord. And I just feel after stuff. But Ethan talked about feeling. So I just start feeling after. We were feeling the spirit of the Lord here this morning. It, human beings, when God begins to move and manifest himself, because he's framed and designed us, we identify with the moving of his spirit. Many people settle for just feeling his spirit and never digging into the word of God and getting the word of God into their heart. And so they may have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Paul warned us about that in the last days, those that would have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. And Paul made a strong statement about that. He said they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. From such, turn away. 
And so the power is in the revelation of who he is, the power of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we get revelation and understanding by his spirit working with his word in our life. And the word mixed with faith in the heart of the hearer and it accomplishes what it's sent to do. And so we need the word of God into our hearts and in our lives. Amen. And so we've we've read these scriptures before. How many of you have heard that before? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Amen. How many of you have prayed seeking the kingdom of God? Amen. How many of you have spent time praying seeking his righteousness? I think, yeah, that was, well, you, you were like, well, I don't, I, yeah, you should, I, yeah. That's sort of what I picked up anyway. Oftentimes we quote that scripture and we stop at seek first the kingdom. Can you put 33 back up there? Just leave that sitting up there, Brother Jeremiah. Thank you. So we see seek the kingdom. What are you supposed to seek first? If I would ask, if I would ask many of you this morning, say, what are you supposed to seek first? Many of you that know this scripture would have said the kingdom. But it doesn't just say the kingdom. The kingdom of God and. That tells me I'm supposed to seek both. Not just one. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. I want to talk about his righteousness today and seeking his righteousness. I am. I uh, growing up as a child. Uh, I did not like getting in trouble. Anybody like? Get, I know people that like getting. Brother Rigo started laughing. <laughs> I know people that liked getting into trouble, or at least they found trouble. I see some parents pointing at some kids, and I don't know that I. I, I probably shouldn't say I didn't like getting in trouble. I didn't like getting caught. All right, that's probably true of all of us, right? We sort of enjoyed the moment till we got caught. Then we realized, and. I was one of those kids that every once in a while, I did not go looking for trouble, but trouble found me, Brother Flowers, every once in a while. Anybody relate to that? Trouble just seemed to find you sometimes. Yeah, Sister Mary. Yeah, she raised her hand. I wasn't just, some of you guys are like. <laughs> so, yeah, trouble just find. And so, so as a result of, of these things, I didn't like getting in trouble. And I realized when I did stuff wrong, I got in trouble. And I really did not like the consequences of the way they came to me. And so it, it put fear in my life as a child. Not, not a good kind of fear. And so I, I, a lot of my childhood doing was based on fear. Doing or not doing was based on fear. True fear of what would happen to me if I got caught doing something wrong. And some of you can relate to that. And so because of that fear... What I would do is I became a very hard worker at doing right. Anybody relate to that? Anybody, anybody got real good at doing right? Look, nobody's raising their hand like you. You're all acting like, nope, I just kept doing bad. Now, I'm not saying I succeeded. I just became a hard worker. At, I, I just... Everything, I would give myself to getting it right, getting it right. And so in school, I was a straight-A student. Not because I was super smart, but I was just going to get it right. It mattered to me to be right. Anybody that matters to be right? Anybody? Some of you are a little scared. You're like, I feel like I might be getting set up. <laughs> right? 
You really want to be right. You want to get it right. And so, so I grew up that way. It was a result of, of fear is what it was based in in my life. Fear of what happens if I'm wrong. I remember I got an F once. Once. In my ninth grade history class, the first semester, I just was sort of blowing stuff off. You know, my first year in high school, I wasn't, I was having fun. I wasn't really, you know, whatever. I, I, I'd been so used to just, you know what, I got it going on enough and I'll do enough and I'll get an A and I'll see at the quarter where I'm at. And if I need to crank it up a little bit, I always do good on the test. So I'll be all right. Dude, I got an F. I'll never forget that teacher in ninth grade history. She pulled me aside and sat me down. She said, Joel, you're smarter than this. The only reason you're getting an F is because you didn't try. Her name was Mrs. Goodman. I still remember her name today. And she said, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do, though, because this is going to affect you if you, don't, if you want to graduate. I was a freshman. I wasn't even thinking about graduating. But she said, this is going to affect you. She said, if in the second semester you get an A, I'll give you a B for the year. She said, now, what you've done in the first semester means you can't get a B for the year. But if you get an A in the second semester, you know what I got in the second semester? I got an A. She motivated me really quick. Why? Because I was afraid of what would happen. And so fear became my motivator to do right. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are relating. And so as a, as a teenager and as a kid in the home, my sister, she got in trouble a lot. My older sister, she was ornery, man. I, she, she's a precious lady of God today. So, and, but she, man, the trouble she would get in, the things she, she had no fear, man. She was just reckless, abandoned, wild and crazy. Just go, not me, man. I was walking the line. I was, yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, sir. I was, I wanted to be right. Well. You know what happens with those things is that can carry over into your walk with God. Okay, I want to be right. I want to be right, God. And on the surface, there's, there's nothing. We should want to be right in relationship with God. Amen. We should want to do right according to his word. Amen. So that's important. But the problem was. I was always trying to do it right. Well, here's the challenge. In living for God, I can never measure up to His righteousness. Living in right relationship with Him. Because here's what I've learned in 48 years of living. I'm always going to get it wrong along the way. Anybody ever learned that yet? Yeah. That no matter how hard you try... There's these places where you just stumble and fall and it just reminds you and me of our humanity and the fact that, man, I am not perfected yet. He's, we used to sing a song when I was a kid. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun, the earth, and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be because he's still working on me. Right? And he is, he's still working on me. And so what does he do? The loving father allows us to fail. He allows us to come to terms or at least recognize 
shows these things in our life that are less than right according to His Word or His righteousness to see, am I going to put it all together and take care of it myself? Get it right? Fix it? Put it all... Now, okay, whoo, fear has subsided. Or am I going to seek first His righteousness? Not my righteousness, His righteousness. That was the admonition of the Lord. Seek ye first, first in your day, first in priority, first in order of importance. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That word righteousness that's used there is very specific. The word righteousness that's there is, speaks of integrity, virtue, purity of life, uprightness, correctness in thinking, feeling and acting. Anybody got all that nailed down? Where you just have right integrity, right virtue, right purity of life, consistent uprightness, correctness in your thinking, your feeling, your acting, that's all just perfect all the time? No, not a one of us in this room. And guess what? In our humanity, none of us in this room will ever have all that right. But that is His righteousness. We're not seeking our righteousness. We're seeking His righteousness. This is so important in our walk in relationship with God. Why? Because as we'll see in Scripture, for Him to use us the way He wants to, we cannot be dependent upon our rightness or righteousness. We understand His use of us and His operation through us is based on His righteousness, not ours. You know, when I start judging my brother or sister, I'm usually usually judging their righteousness, not his. Think about that for a minute. I'm usually judging their righteousness, not his. And so I have a responsibility and you have a responsibility. If we want to live for God and more than live for God, be used of God, be a vessel poured out for the will of God in His purpose and in His plan, then we have to seek, search after, strive after is what that word means. Desire His righteousness, His integrity, His uprightness of thinking, His correctness of thinking, those things that matter to Him. I seek His righteousness. How many of you are praying that every day? Seeking his righteousness. It's clear that we're supposed to seek righteousness. Pretty straightforward in that word of the Lord. But we can't miss the emphatic word that's used right there that assigns the ownership of the righteousness. It assigns it to him, not to us. You see that? His. You're not seeking yours. You're seeking his I'm not seeking to be right of myself. We're taught not to seek our own righteousness. We're not taught to seek being right. But we're admonished to seek the kingdom, to seek his righteousness, his integrity, his virtue, his purity of life, his uprightness, his correctness in thinking, his feeling, his acting. We seek that. Now, notice something here. Romans chapter 10, verse number 1. This is important today. The Lord is wanting to bring us in our walk in relationship with God. 
from seeking to do right and be right ourselves to seeking his righteousness in our lives so that we become an instrument and a vessel that he flows through that's not hindered by our trying to get it right, but is trusting and confidence in, confident in his righteousness working through our lives. Watch Romans 10. The Apostle Paul is writing here to the church at Rome, and he's talking to them about Israel. He says, brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for Israel. And if you were to read this and look at the Greek words he uses here, it's like a deep, passionate desire of his. He's grieving over this. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. So notice he's talking about salvation here. It's important. Verse number two. For I bear them record, or I'm a witness... That they have a zeal of God. Now, I want you to notice this about Israel. We're going to move a little further, but we're going to take our time walking through this because I think this can reveal something about us as human beings. Here's the thing about Israel. He wants them to be saved. And guess what? The issue with Israel being saved has nothing to do with their zeal for God. Is that what it says? Do they have a zeal for God? Yes, we agree. So apparently just having a zeal for God isn't enough. Matter of fact, it may be possible that our zeal for God can get in the way if it's our zeal. That's what I was describing to you earlier. I had such a zeal, a desire to get it right, to not mess up, to not fail, that I brought that over into my relationship with God and I had this zeal for God. Is that making sense? And so here's what he's saying about Israel. They have a, there's not an issue with their desire. There's not an issue with their pursuit. That's not the issue at all. They have a zeal for God, but it is not according to knowledge. That's a big deal. What did he literally say? They have a zeal for God, but it's not through the precise and correct knowledge of God. You and I can have zeal for God, but have wrong thinking. And that's exactly what he's saying right there. Israel, I want them to be saved. And the issue isn't their desire for God. The issue is they're not thinking properly about their approach to God. This is important. How we think. And how our spirit responds and how we approach God matters. So aren't you interested in knowing what the issue is with their knowledge? I think this matters. They've got a zeal for God, but they don't have, they're not approaching according to the right or proper, precise, correct knowledge. So watch what he says in verse number three. I've got to find verse three here with him. For they, being ignorant, what are they ignorant of? Ooh. They're ignorant of God's righteousness. They have a heart for God, a zeal for God, a desire for God. They just have the wrong knowledge. And where is the wrong knowledge rooted? They're ignorant of God's righteousness. They don't know. That's what the word ignorant there literally means. They don't know God's righteousness. His chosen people, Israel. They're ignorant of his righteousness. Right? 
And notice what they do. Rather than seeking to know him, and remember, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Rather than seeking his righteousness, what do they do? They go about to establish what? Ah, their own righteousness. That's what we do when we approach God in our humanity. Oh, I made a mistake. How can I fix that? How can I get it right? What can I do to fix that? How can I take care? I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to. God could come down and smack me on the head. I don't want to live. That's fear, right? I'm afraid of what God will do if I get it wrong. So I keep doing that. And what do I do? I work harder and harder and harder and harder to establish my own righteousness. See, look, I'm doing good. See, look, I'm living right. See, look, I didn't make any mistakes. See, look how perfect I am in all of my Christian walk. See, look, my sleeve's the right length. My tie is tied right. Look, my hair looks neat. Look, I said the right things today. I didn't get angry, at least not that you saw. And I kept everything in proper order and I held it all together. And, you know, I got in my closet with God's, but I'm okay. And see, look, I have everything together and I'm proving I'm establishing my own righteousness. Some of y'all are laughing at me because I know it's sort of funny, but it's true. Because I go through all this effort and work and energy trying to going about to establish my own or your own righteousness. You doing all right? Lord's wanting to help us. He's wanting to help us. Because he's desiring to use us in greater measure than he already is. You're going to see how significant this is. It's, the, it's so significant that Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It matters that much that he coupled it with seeking his kingdom. So they're going about... To establish their own righteousness. Now, now you might say, well, I don't do that. You know what's interesting? That word going about in the Greek. It is the same Greek word that Jesus used when he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his seek. The word seek that Jesus used. Same word for going about right there. It could literally say they're ignorant of God's righteousness and they seek To establish their own righteousness. Now picture the Lord Jesus Christ telling them on that day. Seek his righteousness. Stop seeking your own righteousness. You're doing all this stuff. He was speaking to the Jews. Paul is writing about wanting Israel to be saved. He says they're doing all this stuff. Trying to prove. Establish their own righteousness. That word established there is to cause it to stand, to uphold, or to sustain sustain the authority of it. They're trying to say, see, my righteousness is good enough. The things I've done right, that's enough. I've shown that I can live this way. It means nothing to the Lord. Matter of fact, one writer said that our righteousness is as filthy rags. But even Jesus himself said, That except our righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, we'd be lost. Was he confused? No, no, no. The only way for that type of righteousness to be in our lives, operative, working, and to have rightness in our life, integrity, those things that we read about that the word means, correctness of thinking, uprightness in standing, the only way for that type of righteousness to be in our life is it to be his righteousness. 
This is why we have to seek it every day. When we're seeking the kingdom, we're seeking his righteousness. We're desiring and pursuing. And to seek his means not to pursue my own. Not try. You say, you mean it doesn't matter what I do then? I can just as long as I have his righteousness? That's exactly what I'm saying. Oh, if you and I have his righteousness, it's going to affect what we do. It definitely doesn't matter what you do if you have his righteousness. If his righteousness is the one directing me, it's going to be influencing what I do. But it won't be me doing it. It'll be him working through my life, his righteousness operative. So I'm no longer living my life in relationship with God from a fear-based standpoint of, oh, no, I got it wrong today. Oh, no, I failed today. Oh, no, how come? And, and, and then I'm no longer looking through judgmental eyes at my brother or sister, but I'm praying, God, your righteousness. Lead us as a body of Christ in your righteousness. Reveal your righteousness to us day by day as we seek and follow after your kingdom. So let your righteousness operate in our lives. Let us seek that with our whole heart, not our own abilities. Right living, right standing with God, right relationship with God, based on what He's done, not what we've done. Israel just wants to establish their own. Now, this is what's interesting to me. They go about seeking to establish their own righteousness. I'm not making this up. Go search. Look it up. The Greek word for their own is a Greek word, I-D-I-O-S. You know what English word we get from that word? I didn't put it there. I-D-I-O-S, idios, is their own. It's where we get our English word idiot from. I'm not calling anybody that, you understand today. But the writer was so emphatic about the value or really the lack thereof of my own righteousness of trying to do things myself. And if I'm seeking to establish my righteousness. It really is. The idiotic thing isn't just trying to establish my own. The idiotic thing that I'm doing is that I'm ignoring his righteousness is available to me. And he's talking about Israel being saved. And they've got a great zeal for God. The issue isn't their desire for God. The issue is they're ignorant of his righteousness. And so they keep giving all their energy and effort to trying to prove their own righteousness. Great zeal. Working hard. Praying harder. Fasting more. Doing more. But not seeking his righteousness. And why is that? How is it that they're continuing to seek him? You and I could continue to seek him, but keep going after. Here's the issue. They have not submitted themselves. Unto the righteousness of God. The issue is one of submission. Is that what the word says? They have not submitted themselves. Unto the righteousness of God. It's not an issue with God wanting to give his righteousness. 
The issue is the heart that's willing to submit to his righteousness. Because you know what I've learned? Learning. I haven't got it figured out. Said that almost like past tense, like I was past. I was, no, I'm learning. I'm in the process. I'm learning that when I seek his righteousness, it means at times along the journey, he'll remind me of my own unrighteousness. And I'll have the choice between choosing to quickly do something to bring correction myself or choosing to run to him and seeking his righteousness for the matter. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he would exalt you in due time. And so we seek his righteousness. Now, look at verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. We've got to be willing to submit ourselves to his righteousness and praying to that end. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 7. Philippians 3, verse number 7. But what things, here we are talking about things again. I'm telling you, it's throughout these scriptures. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, verse number 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. He's talking about knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. For whom I've suffered the loss of, what does he suffer the loss of? Uh, sounds like he's probably on the right path, doesn't it? I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them but dung. Sounds like he's probably not taking thought for things anymore, doesn't it? Why? That I may win Christ. Verse number 9. And be found, where do I want to be found? In him, not having what? Ah, look what the Apostle Paul was pursuing. I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness. This is Apostle Paul, the one that said he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, touching the law, perfect. Hebrew of the Hebrews, the tribe of Benjamin, right? This long pedigree of how he'd done all righteous living. I want to be found in Christ, not having my own righteousness. He had went all the way to the other end of the spectrum. He'd went to the right end of the spectrum from where he'd been that he thought was the right end, but was the wrong place because it was rooted in his performance. And his fulfillment of the law by his own ability. Not a dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he said, I count all things but dung for knowing Christ and being found in Christ. And when I'm found there, I don't want to be found having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. Or my doing right. But I want to be found in him. Of that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God or God's righteousness by faith. Now watch this. This is important. And amazing the choice of words. 
He said, I want to be found in him. I don't want you to find him in me. I want to be found in him. I want to be found in him. You know what's interesting about that word, in him? I'm telling you. The in him is the same Greek word that was used in Matthew 6, 33, where Jesus said, seek his righteousness. The word his in the Greek there, same Greek word here for in him. I want to be found in him. I'm seeking his righteousness. Not having mine own. I think there's many of us that we want the righteousness of God. But it's a struggle not to have our own righteousness. We're like, well, I want the righteousness of God, but I want to make sure I have my own too. You say, how's that possible? Well, we got scripture for it, right? There were those that were baptized, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost in scripture. And when the Lord began to save the Gentiles, they were baptized, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. There were those that were Israelites that were trying to put the law onto the Gentiles. So, you know what? We, you know, circumcision, shouldn't they be circumcised? What were they doing? They were trying to live according to their own righteousness and the righteousness of God. Can't do both. Well, I guess you can to some degree, but not live fulfilled and have God do all that he wants to do in and through your life. He's wanting to take us past that so that we live and walk in his righteousness. How do we do that? By daily seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And as we seek, he gives understanding. He begins to operate with us through us according to his purpose. It's interesting when you consider that word in him. Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to come back to Philippians really quick here. But Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 says this. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things. Oh, there's things again. It's the same word, by the way, every time you see that there, if you go through all these places. It's interesting how much that keeps coming up. Apparently, there's some tie between things and righteousness. Things in his kingdom. And where my attention is and what I'm pursuing, the things that I'm pursuing after directly seems to affect my pursuit of his kingdom and righteousness. It's all these places, things keeps coming up. If you then may risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Verse number two. Set your affection on things above and not on things in the earth. Why? For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. I read that passage of scripture. You can go back to Philippians 3, verse number 9 there, Brother Jeremiah. When the Apostle Paul said that I might be found in him, he was speaking of this concept of not see, people not seeing me, but people seeing him. My life being hid with Christ is what he said in Colossians 3 that we just read. And that word that's used there, being hid with Christ, it's the word cryptos. It's where we get our word crypt from or encrypted, right? If you have an encrypted message, right? The message is there, but you've got to have something to be able to decipher it. It's hidden in the coding. When the Apostle Paul said our life is hid with God in Christ, 
It means people look and we're there, but they don't see us. Why? Because they see Christ. Are we in there? Yeah, we're in him. And when the Apostle Paul said, I want to be found in him, he was speaking of something that when people see righteousness now, they no longer see our righteousness. They're seeing the righteousness of God because they're not looking at us any longer because we are now found in him. Our life is hid with God. Where's it hid at? In Christ. And so when we're seeking his righteousness, these things begin to work in our lives and through our lives. I do this found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness of God by faith. Verse number 10. Why does he do all of that? That I may know him. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Verse number 11. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Salvation. 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 I seek his righteousness. Last passage of scripture I want to read with you. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. His righteousness is available to each and every one of us. We don't earn it. I'll show you from scripture here. We don't earn it. But if we'll begin seeking it according to his word. We'll genuinely seek the righteousness of God in our lives, for our lives, through our lives, the way he wants. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. And death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed or passed on when there's no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam all the way to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude or the likeness of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Now we see it raining, sin raining from Adam to Moses. When it says it, or death raining from Adam to Moses. When it said it rained from Adam to Moses, Moses is when the law came. So it's talking about death reigned from Adam all the way up until the law came. Moses gave the law. That's what he means when he says from Adam to Moses. And it even reigned over those that had not sinned because of Adam's transgression or sin in the garden. Which was the figure of him that was to come. All right. Verse number 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. What free gift? Well, let's keep reading. For if through the offense of one many be dead, that's Adam, that's the one that offended that caused many to be dead. Much more the grace of God, is that the gift? Apparently not. Because it says much more the grace of God and the gift by grace... So there's a gift that comes through grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, it hath abounded unto many. So the gift is abounded unto many. Are you interested in the gift? Verse number 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift 
For the judgment but was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. So what's the writer saying? This can be like, man, that was a lot. I don't even know what he just said. Remember, we're talking about Adam and Jesus Christ. Adam was the example. Because of Adam's sin, many died, even if they hadn't sinned. Because of one man's offense. All right? Now he's saying the free gift is because of many offenses unto justice. What's happened? So it started this way. One man sinned. Let's say I'm that one man that sinned. And you didn't. But because of my one sin, all of you are subject to death. Right? So he's saying that's how it worked. But just as that worked, now it's going to work in reverse. By all of your sin... There's going to come justification through one man. That's what he just said there. Okay. Does that make sense? Verse 17. We're talking about a gift. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one. That's what we just talked about. Much more. They which receive abundance of grace. And what? And the gift. Oh, what's the gift? The gift of righteousness. And by the way, that's not mine and your righteousness. Much more, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. Anybody want to reign in life? Here's why this is so important. If I'm working in my own righteousness, I don't care if I got a zeal for God and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. If I'm working in my own righteousness, I'm not living victoriously. You're not reigning. You're just existing. This is talking about reigning in life, ruling, walking in authority, in victory, reigning in life. How's that done? That's done by His righteousness. But if I'm living in my own righteousness, filled with the Holy Ghost, how come I... If I'm filled with, you ever ask yourself this question? Don't raise your hand. Don't even nod your head. Just let it be rhetorical in your spirit. You ever ask yourself this question? How come I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, but I feel like I don't have victory? How come I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, but I feel defeated? How come I'm filled with the Holy Ghost? But I'll tell you what the issue is, or at least one of them. You're not operating in His righteousness. Because His righteousness causes us to reign in life. To live victorious. In Christ Jesus. I think I might want to read another verse. Yes. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. You want justification in your life? It's only going to come through His righteousness. Verse 19 For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners by the obedience of one. What's it going to do? Many shall be made what? Righteous. Oh, we're made righteous by what we do? No, we're made righteous by the obedience of one. Who was the one? The Lord Jesus Christ. We're made righteous by his obedience. His going to the cross. His shedding of his blood. His rising. We're made righteous if we receive the free gift of his righteousness. How many of you received the baptism of the gift of the Holy Ghost? 
You've heard this before, right? It's a gift. You can't beg for it. You don't have to plead for it. It's a gift. It's freely given, right? All you have to do is what? Receive it, right? All you got to do is receive it. Righteousness is a free gift. We just read that in this passage of Scripture. It's a free gift. So what do I have to do? Receive it. I seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then I receive of his righteousness. But guess what? I can't receive his righteousness if I'm going about trying to establish my own. And so somewhere along the way, I've got to die to this man. So that his righteousness can rule and reign in my life. I don't have to prove anything to anybody anymore. I don't have to prove anything to anyone anymore. It's his righteousness, not mine. Will his righteousness affect how I live and what I do and how I act? Absolutely. More than my own righteousness ever will. But my action will no longer be based in condemnation, but it is based in reigning in life because it's his righteousness working through my life. If I do right because of condemnation, it's a sure sign. It's my righteousness I'm trying to establish. By the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Verse 20. Moreover, the law entered. That the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign. How does grace reign in your life? Through righteousness. And why is that so important? Because it's unto eternal life. Not by mine and your works, but by Jesus Christ our Lord. Why don't you stand with me today? Can you put that last verse back up there, please, Brother Jeremiah? I'm sorry. Notice this. How many of you can say sin has reigned in your life somewhere along the way? Yeah. We gave ourselves over to sin. We yielded our lives instruments to sin, our bodies instruments. Sin reigned. And if we kept letting sin reign, or if you're here this morning and you keep letting sin reign in your life, it's going to lead to death. And so if I don't want sin to reign in my life to death, then I need the grace of God. And so grace can operate in my life and it can reign in my life, but it can't do it through my right living, my right doing, my right actions. Grace reigns in my life through His righteousness. And so if I'm not seeking His righteousness every day, but I'm going about every day, just, okay, I'm just going to do right today. I'm going to do right today. I'm going to make it, okay, let me try not to make a mistake today. Let me try to get everything in order today. Let me, and I'm not telling you you need to go out there trying to goof up and make mistakes, you understand. But if I start my day first seeking His kingdom and first seeking His righteousness, I'm going to live victorious in the day. Rather than living my day in fear that, oh man, I hope I don't mess up today. Oh my goodness, I hope, I hope I don't look where I shouldn't look today. I hope I don't say what I'm not supposed to say today. I hope I don't get mad today. I hope I don't do... <laughs> All that pressure. 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 That pressure coming from Him, not a chance. It's coming from me trying to establish my own righteousness. 
And I hear some of you this morning are saying, but Brother Hart, I want to be saved. He wants to save you. Seek His righteousness, not your own. And as you and I seek His righteousness, what happens? Grace reigns in our life. And what does grace do? Grace enables me to do what I cannot do myself. You see that? Grace. So those things that I don't want to do that I still do. Grace enables me not to do them. How does grace reign in my life? Through righteousness. His So what am I doing when I seek His kingdom and I seek His righteousness? I'm giving avenue for His grace to come and operate in my life to enable me where I could not do it myself. So what do I got to do to get His righteousness? Seek it and receive the free gift. Amen? I'd like to open this altar. I'd like to give you an opportunity to just talk with him before we go today. Amen. I feel the richness of his spirit here today. He's given us answers. He's given us understanding. So I no longer am under the pressure to produce and perform. I'm not talking about some loose living that says do whatever. And as long as I'm seeking. No, if I'm seeking his righteousness. He's going to bring alignment in my life with His Word. I'm digging into His Word. He's going to begin revealing things to me by His Spirit. His grace is going to rule in my life and direct my steps. So I'm taking right steps under His covering, His righteousness, His grace, His Spirit ruling and reigning in my life. It's a free gift for you today. His righteousness, not your own, not my own. You may have to pray as I've prayed. God, forgive me for trying to establish my own righteousness. You may need to start there. God, forgive me for trying to establish my own righteousness. Forgive me for trying to do it on my own. I repent of that today. I receive of your forgiveness. And I pray your righteousness. I seek the righteousness of God. I seek that which I cannot produce in my efforts and my abilities. I seek it, Lord, and I willingly open my spirit to receive of your righteousness. That it be working and operative in my life for your purpose and for your glory. And I live my life under the pressures of trying to produce or perform. But I live my life receiving the righteousness of God and grace coming in and enabling me to do what I cannot do in my efforts and my ability. In the name of Jesus. Come on, this is so important today because of how He's using you and I and how He's going to use us in these days ahead. And so He's bringing a spiritual alignment in our thoughts and our spirit with His Word so that He can flow and operate the way He wants to through His grace and His righteousness, His Spirit. In the name of Jesus.
just to pray for our minds right now that we would receive the word that's been spoken today and the word of the spirit that's been spoken today. Paul writes in Romans that our, our carnal minds are not subject to the spirit of God. They can't be because they're opposite of each other. If all we did was sit here and hear with our carnal mind today, we won't receive what was said. But if we allow the Spirit of God to speak into our spirit and say, okay, I didn't just hear preaching, I didn't just hear verses, I received spiritual impartation and ministry into my spirit today. That's what will allow what we heard to really affect and take root what, for what we need today. Jesus, God, I, I submit this to you right now, Lord. In my mind, God, I can't please you. I can't receive of your word. Jesus, I lay that down right now at your feet to receive, Jesus, your righteousness and your grace, O oh God, the things that you've offered to me today. Jesus, I want to receive them. I want to seek them, Lord Jesus. I want them applied over my life, Lord Jesus. God, I know that in my own mind and in my own righteousness, I cannot please you. Jesus, I receive it and I accept it today from you, God. The gift of your righteousness that you've offered to me. I thank you for it, Lord God. Let it keep me, Lord Jesus. Let it keep me, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, I want to operate in your grace. I want to operate in your righteousness, God. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for it. Would somebody thank the Lord today for what he's done? Thank you, God, for the gift of your righteousness. Hallelujah. I seek it today, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Before you're dismissed, I want to say how great it is to have Brother Joey and Sister Autumn Hart with us. Make sure you don't leave without saying hi to them. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. You are dismissed, but I do have a quick announcement I'm supposed to make before I forget. December the 22nd, it's a Saturday, December the 22nd, what time? At 5 p.m. We learned from last year that it's better to do it a little bit later. So December the 22nd at 5 p.m., we will have a Christmas gathering banquet here. We're asking all who will to come. Um, we are asking for, there get, you'll get a lot more details, but we're asking for donations of five bucks for an adult for the banquet and two bucks for children 11 and under. 12 and up, you're an adult as far as food's concerned. 11 and under, you're a child. If you got a 10-year-old that eats like a 20-year-old, pay five. Ha! <laughs> Amen.
But we're going to have a great time. Also, one thing that we will have with that, so you know, is we'll set up, we're going to set up a deal so that if you'd like to have your uh, family portrait taken with a nice backdrop or something, we'll have that here for you. And so come and know that that's something you won't have to pay for that. And uh, if five bucks or two bucks is a, is, would keep you away, please see us. Don't let that keep you away. Amen. We want everybody to come. And, but that's December the 22nd. Please get that noted. 5 p.m. We'll get some more information out. But I, I was supposed to tell you that. God bless you.